done. And so all of them, uh, in fact, the NDC, including the NDC, represented by Daniel Na right. in the uh, presidential election, have you know signed. And then uh, he also signed for John Dumelu on the uh, 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 you know a resolved summary sheet. And, right. and so that that just buttresses the point of the EC that they had engaged them. But as it stands, the NDC says they're consulting with its legal team to be able to come up with a strategy okay. on how to proceed. Right from this point. Mano, uh, pardon me, give me Lydia Sarah Malhassan's um, vote tally again. Just hers. Just Lydia Sarah Malhassan. It was 39,000? Yes, um, Lydia Sarah Malhassan has 39,851 mm -hmm. votes. 851 votes. Yes, please. Thank you very much, uh, Manuel Cranting. So, you look at the presidential and the parliamentary results for Ayawasu West Wogon, and I know that this is fodder for the analysts because um, John Dumelo was quite loud on social media, especially, but you see his presidential candidates polling nearly 2,000 votes more than he did. Um, you see Lydia Sarah Malhassan also a bit shy of her presidential candidates, Nanado Dankwe Kufado, but by just about 100 votes, 962, 851 here. This is something that the analysts, of course, would chew. And I see uh, Studio 997 is almost is ready with Benis Abu Beidulansa and our guest there. We'll go into those details. But before that, Mahama Ayariga has retained the Boku Central seat for the NDC again. Listen. who voted, both those who voted for NDC and those who voted for NPP, and all the candidates for voting peacefully and allowing the process to take place peacefully till this very successful end. I think that it is all of us, the people of Boku, who have won today, and we should all be proud of ourselves that we have been able to achieve this peaceful and successful elections. And I want to assure you that together with all of you, we'll continue to work together to preserve the peace of Boku. We can we can develop as one people. So we post an. You're live on Joy New on the Joy News channel. This is your election headquarters, and we are live, of course, on Joy News on Joy ninety nine point seven FM and on Joy Prime TV. Very soon, we'll cross over to Studio nine nine seven. But this is the lay of the land as we have it so far. As you can see, our smart wall is filling up with a number of seats in there. Um, I'll quickly take you to the Western North region. And um, if you look here, Bibiani Amhiasu Bekwai um, has remained NPP. If, if you know what happens in the, in the northern part of the Western region, you realize that um, this is not too much of a surprise. The NPP has enjoyed um, support in that part of the region. Sehwi Akontombra is, however, very interesting for President Ekufuado, 50.9% to John Dramani Mahamas, 45.6%. If you look at the trend analysis, the data there, this is not a seat that the NDC has, the MPP has ever won as far as presidential tally is concerned. In fact, if you look at the Sehwi Akontombra seat in 2016, where the MPP won the um, parliamentary, 
Um, a lot of people argue that there was actually um, a break in the ranks of the NDC, and that is how come the MPP was able to slip through. And so you, you can see that John Mahama won convincingly in f- by 54.4% in 2016, but now he has dropped to 45.6%, and um, President Ekofado appreciated to 16,921 votes with 50.9%. If there's anything we have learned about this election, it is that there is no formula really. It's very difficult to look at how the trends are showing. It's very difficult to look at how the formulas are showing because I can show you, say we are Contombra, then I can take you to Upper Dintra West in the central region where the NPP has held for years and the NDC is currently in the lead. Of course, the MPP is challenging that coalition process. The Jabosu constituency, the constituency of Kabla Betan Kando, the ranking member on the Health Committee of Parliament, um, has retained the NDC. Um, it has here John Mahama winning their 56%. John Mahama, 56%. President Ekufado, 39%. 0.5%. Remember earlier, we went to the Sehiri also constituency right here, where this is empty, and I'll tell you why it's empty. It's empty because this result is being challenged by the NDC, and because it's being challenged, um, the EC is unable to declare it, and we were told by Nana Tajiman, our correspondence there, that the NPP was in the lead as at the time um, that we were getting those results. So if you just joined us, here's the lay of the land. We've gotten a number of results populating our magic wall currently. Um, as you can see there, some of the regions showing the character that they normally show. The OT region is a region that the NPP would have hoped to capitalize on the promise of creating a new region. Um, unfortunately, they have not been able to take advantage of that. I'll take you to... Um, the, is it the Crachy West or the Crachy East constituency where Michael Jato is member of Parliament? Pardon me. It's actually... Crachy East constituency, where Michael Jato was member of parliament. As you can see there in the parliamentary poll, he won in 2016, but President Mahama won. I'll take you quickly to what is happening there in the parliamentary poll this year. Uh, pardon me, 2020 is what I want. So we can see what happened. Michael Yao Jato has fallen. Uh, 49.3% there in the poll, 50.7% to Wisdom Gidisu, um, and uh, 83% voter turnout, 40,201 valid votes cast. So that is another seat that, uh, if, you, if you're going to use the expression for the day, the NDC has flipped. And we'll look at the overall picture a bit more as we go forward and get an idea of whether or not the flip means the NDC really um, gets into Jubilee House and gets the majority in Parliament, or as the NPP will have them say, it's rather a flop in disguise. My name is Daniel um, Daze. We uh, will move to Studio 997 immediately, where Bernice Abubedu Lanza is standing by with our expert panelists, ready to serve you with all the analysis that you need. Bernice, a lot of interesting conversation points for you. I can't imagine... Well, you'll be sports for choice as where to start from, I'm sure. 
Definitely, uh, Daniel. And we've been monitoring uh, the events across the country, listening to you touch base with uh, some of our correspondents in different constituencies. And uh, we'll just zoom into the conversation right away. I've been joined by uh, Mr. Kofi Bentel. He is Vice President of Imani Africa. He was with us yesterday. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank and you. Dr. Prisla Chumesi-Bafo, she's a senior lecturer at the University of Ghana. Uh, so like Daniel said, we definitely have a lot of talking points. Let's start off with Ayasa West Wogan. It's been uh, confirmed uh, now. Uh, Lydia Alhassan retained that seat for the NPP. And yesterday you were talking about this, Mr. Bentel. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been reactions to the performance by John Dumelu. Some say he's done extremely well. Others think, well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> he lost anyway. <laughs> What's your opinion on that? Well, my opinion is same as yesterday. Those two have to be commended, okay, for many things. One, um, they both run very, very good campaigns. And Ayawasu itself, being what it is coming from the last election, the violence and the probes and everything, came with a certain baggage. And you can see this time round, we didn't have any such reports, all right? And it is not because that battle was not fought hard, okay? It was fought very hard. And for that, we commend John Dumelo. John Dumelo put up a credible, a good fight. And if he had won it, he would have been totally entitled to win it. So that is to his credit. And I don't think the margin of loss was that much. Mm. But Ma Lydia also, I think at a point, noticed that John was a formidable contestant. He was a formidable opponent. And she stepped up. She came with her own baggage, which is she was riding on the coattails of her husband. So she was not there in the beginning, more or less, as of her own right. And if she had been beaten this time, then the story would have been, oh, people can do anything without their husbands and da 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 But when John threw the challenge, she stepped up. And she stepped up and ran a solid campaign. Okay. You know the controversy in the last weeks about John being a celebrity mm, and the things mm, that were said? Yeah. She brought on celebrities to counter John's celebrity appeal. And forced John to also bring other celebrities to counter her appeal. Okay? So they really fought this hard and they must be commended. Mm. Then again, they collaborated in a very, very mature way. Okay? For the good of Ayawas. And that's why I say it's a model competition. They were having walks together. They were showing, you know, up with each other and telling their people, look, let's vote in peace, etc. And they've had an absolutely fantastic election over there. The results show that nobody really lost that place. Mm. I think Hayawaso is a model for how um, election contests must be run. It's a win for this country. I encourage John to stay in there. He has shown himself to be a credible politician. He's as good as any. Lawyers can be politicians. Teachers can be politicians. Businessmen can be politicians. Actors and celebrities can also be politicians. And she has, he has shown himself to be as good as any. If he thinks he wants to continue to do this, he will have the blessing of all of us. So, again, we are happy with what has happened with Ayawaso. Mm. And we think both of them are winners. And they must be commended for what has happened. Talking about the baggage Ayasa West Wogan came, came with reminds me of a conversation I had with uh, someone who votes in that constituency and said mm. at her polling station, the election materials didn't arrive on time. We had the easy mm. response to that. But she says one woman, one woman in the queue said, look, 
you people should bring this thing early. We don't want any tag this time ah. round. So I think apart from the politicians themselves, the voters in that constituency, yeah. uh, most of them didn't like the tag of being a violent constituency. And so mm. they really worked hard at avoiding any uh, incidents this time round. But let me come to you, uh, Doc. We've seen again. Uh, Ma Lidia retained that seat for IRS or West Wogan. And, and we've been told that this constituency cannot be said to be one belonging to any particular party because of the voting partings and how we've seen really close margins. So each party has to work really hard. It's not a comfortable seat for any one of them. Very well. Um, I, I, I perfectly agree. And I, I, I like the the competition that went on. So you could see that although... Um, it was an incumbent seat for the ruling party. They really had to work hard at maintaining that seat. And I, like um, uh, Mr. Bentel said, we have to commend John Dumelo for the fight that um, he, he put up there. Um, indeed, you can tell that the constituency is very diverse. I mean, it's got its own needs. And um, Honorable Al-Hassan really stepped up. And most of us had initially um, people had issues and the whole idea of women coming up to um, um, the fall because they've had to um, inherit a constituency or another because they lost a, a husband. I mean, she really came in um, on that ticket and that presupposes that she probably did not come in on her own, but she was pushing to it. But this time around, you could tell that she really fought hard and fought for um, um, the seat. And that um, it's, um, I mean, we can pat her at the back and say that, yes, she, she has done a great job. She has proven that she's credible to be there um, because she's fought well. The margin was just about a little over 2,000. So you see that this is not a very safe seat for anyone and um, nobody can afford to um, sleep on the job uh, because um, the fight that um, John put up, even as a first-timer, um, I think that um, the parties need to think through and deliver on whatever promises they make to the constituents because um, it's not a safe seat for anyone. Mm. The, the results are still trickling in and we've received 107 out of 275 constituencies and there have been some major upsets for incumbents who also uh, served as ministers or are still serving. We, we're still in uh, the, the first uh, term of President Ikufado. That's if he's able to win again. And George Ander, who is Deputy Communications Minister, lost the Ewutu Singer uh, West seat. Uh, Barbara Asheyisi who is Deputy Education Minister, lost Cape Coast North constituency. You have Yabwabing as Samoa, Adentang. He is not a, a minister per se, but he worked as the communications director for the NPP. And Anthony Carbo, who is uh, also a minister, he, he lost his Laura seat. Brings to mind the conversation about ministers being MPs and MPs being ministers. I mean, there are other... Ministers who retain their seats, like the Information Minister Kujopo Nkrumah. But what what does this picture paint for you, Mr. Bento? 
Um, there's a suggestion that there's some sort of um, issue with parliamentarians being ministers and how that affects their fortunes as parliamentarians. I don't see a trend there. Okay. Because like you said, Kojo won and a couple of people won. The thing is, if you're a parliamentarian, you must appreciate the dynamics of being a parliamentarian and the structure of our politics is said that you need to keep a very close touch with the people on the ground. Now, if you're a minister, some people believe it gives you an advantage actually to do that. Because you have more connections, you have access to more resources than if you were just a parliamentarian. That's what people believe. And so it depends on how you apply yourself. So if you ask me, I'll say these people lost fair and square. And it's not because they were ministers. Indeed, if they are ministers, that should have given them an advantage. All right. So um, we should be careful how we, we put that. Mm-hmm. I have a general issue with, you know, parliamentarians being ministers. And that's something that I... Uh, Atimani, we are going to take up with others, other CSOs, you know, working towards a constitutional review. Parliamentarians should not be ministers. I mean, it breaks the divisions that we need to have in government, the separation of powers, okay? And that is part of the reason why our parliament has been ineffective. And our parliamentarians have been moribund. A lot of them have been beholding to the executive because many of them are looking up to get ministerial positions because of the advantages thereof. And I think if we left parliamentarians to just be parliamentarians and you know there was no chance of you being a minister, they will focus on being parliamentarians, which will include taking on the government when they need to. Too many things have happened Mm. and they happen because parliamentarians just didn't do their jobs as parliamentarians to scrutinize the government and force the government to do the right thing. Are you suggesting that uh, let's let's take this government for example the ministers all belong to the ruling party or the governing party. Are you suggesting that if they are not ministers they would have the the capacity and audacity to take on their own government? Yeah. Yes they will. You see and there's a reason why parliament is there. Parliament is there to be a check on the executive. So that's their job anyway. Number two, if you went into parliament and you knew there was zero chance of you becoming a minister and that your survival as a politician or a parliamentarian means you have to be a good parliamentarian, then you will focus on being a good parliamentarian. Uncle John Soforiata of Blessed Memory just passed. And his claim to history, amongst other things, is that he was able to withstand a government's budget and get other parliamentarians to join him in returning a budget of their own government. And that is the job of parliament when there's a problem, you know, to look at it and know that this is what my job is and to return the thing and have it well done. Okay. Today, we can't think of that happening. Why? Why? Because you are afraid to offend the executive. Why? Because you're looking for a ministerial position in the executive. Why? Because 50% of the ministers are coming from parliament. Okay. And that is one of the biggest problems in our democracy. Now, in terms of what's going on with people losing or winning, mm. all these dynamics play a bit, all right? But at the end of the day, I think we are not getting the best from our parliamentarians. Mm. And if their people on the ground are refusing them, it may or may not be their entanglement with the executive. I do think that their entanglement with the executive gives them some advantages, but it makes them ineffective as parliamentarians. To the extent that it causes them to lose their seats, I think it's their own undoing. Because like we said, some have managed to win their seats. I think these people simply didn't impress their people enough. Mm. And if people were looking up to them for development, for instance, that's also part of the problem with our structure. Mm. You shouldn't be looking up to your parliamentarian for development. Their job is to make laws, one, and two, hold the executive to account 
account. Mm. Uh, let me come to Dr. Chumis. Yeah, and let me just make this quick correction. Barbara Ashe, you see, used to be Deputy Minister of Education. She's now Deputy Minister for Works and House, oh, okay. and, and she lost uh, her seat. But let me come to you, Doc. Isn't the politician part of the problem? The fact that people look up to them for development. The argument is when they step out to campaign, they promise the people development. Definitely. So, like you said, what do we expect from our parliamentarians? What do they go out there to tell the electorate? So, for example, if somebody walks into an average home in Ghana and says that I am going to help with um, policies and scrutinizing government um, um, policies that's come through um, parliament and laws and all that, do you think that will be enticing enough for the average Ghanaian? So you see, over time, politicians have crafted this whole developmental agency thing for themselves. So MPs are expected to deliver roles. MPs are supposed to um, produce, um, uh, generate, uh, provide electricity, water, whatever. So they are seen as developmental agents. And until we get to the point where we see that, no, we need to pause and, and think through and know that these are legislative arm of government. And for that matter, their jobs are not supposed to be like that. I mean, those who are in government would always have the advantage. And like Mr. Bento said, um, ministers have the advantages that come with them being MPs and ministers, but it also comes with a baggage. So, for example, you are an incumbent MP who holds a ministerial position. Yes, you have connections. You can lobby for developmental um for development to your area, which can help maintain you in. But the on the other hand, when there's a backlash, when people are not satisfied, when people are not seeing what they ought to see, they think that you are in a position to be able to bring that development to them. Mm. So sometimes you see that even MPs that are not ministers, they are more in touch with the community. They attend funerals, weddings, mm -hmm. every time they are in, back in the constituency. Mm. Mm. But the ministers are busy. They travel around. They have to, I mean take up mm. and undertake their ministerial policy. So it's, it's a balance. Mm. How do you balance it? And how do we get the electorate to understand some of these things? But at the end of the day, it's politics and everybody is in it to win. Mm. So it, it has its own cost and benefits. And you need to know exactly, um, for example, the ministers that are maintaining their seats, what are they doing differently? And what is making them um, still enticing to their um, electorate rather than others who are not mm. so it's a it's a balance which is quite tricky for some people to maintain but the point is we need to have a conversation as to exactly what are the expectations of MPs mm. but at the moment it's all about infrastructural development which should not be so mm. how, how do we correct this because I'm 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 just thinking about what you said an MP or uh, someone who hopes to be in parliament walks into an average home mm -hmm. and cannot say, look, I'm going to lobby for this or I'm going to do this. They have to promise stuff. So there's a certain demand they have to meet mm -hmm. if they want to be in parliament mm -hmm. and the people also hold them to those promises and expectations when they come, which in turn creates a problem between local 
authorities who are responsible for that development mm-hmm. and these MPs who may be ministers. And then you, you see, we our governors is not clear cut. We are just mixing everything up in the long run. Mm-hmm. How do we get on track, Mr. Bento? How do we, because we can't, we can't keep saying that, oh, that's what the people want. So we want to give them or else we'll, we'll still be like this in 20 years to come. The benefit of working in a think tank is that I have had the luxury to think through that. Great. <laughs> Share with us what, what you've been thinking we, about. We don't have any better work to do, so we just sit back and think through <laughs> stuff like this. But um, what you've just described is a real problem. And the first thing I'll do is to explain how you get to that problem. Structure regulates behavior. Hmm. Structure regulates behavior. When you get to a T-junction and there's a slip road by the side, that's a structure. That's a hard thing. Using the slip road does not put you in 90-degree okay, conflict with people using the main road. So that structure makes you take a tangent off, and so you ease into the main road easily. If there is no slip road on the side, then you have to go in at a 90-degree Okay, and you are in worse conflict with those on the road before you can negotiate and will get accidents, etc. I'm using that to explain why our parliamentarians are in the kind of situation they are in. Okay, you have a situation where you are putting the people directly against the electorate and you are making them solicit votes directly from them. The people's immediate need is not the law that the parliamentarians are going to make. Their immediate need is the road, is the school, is the hospital. So that structure will regulate their behavior. They would ask these people, if you want my vote, it's not the law I'm minded about. I'm minded about the school for my kids, the road, and then the hospital. And then the parliamentarian, to knowing that I'm going to go and make laws. That structure is creating a situation where they cannot talk about the law they are going to make. Because if they want your vote, then they have to tell you what you want to hear. So they tell you, I'm going to bring you the school, bring you the road, and bring you the you know, health facility. So that structure has forced our parliamentarians to campaign as if they were district chief executives. Meanwhile, it's the district chief executives who get the money, have the legal and other social and other mandates to deliver on these things. They are left free. Again, the structure determines their behavior. They are beholding to the people in Accra who appoint them. Mm. So they don't care about what people want on the ground. They care about what the people in Accra who appointed them want. Pleasing their bosses. Yes. Okay. So having thought through this, I can tell you clearly, it is the nature of our constitution Mm. which creates this problem. Mm. And we will not solve it because Mm. structure regulates behavior. If we ever get to amend our constitution, if I had my way... We will elect DCs directly, and DCs will elect parliamentarians. Because the laws enable the DCs and co to do what they need to do. So they should be answering to them. Mm. Okay. And at a higher level, if you are, you know, the person who is going to make sure that you think through the law, etc., then you must be in such a position that you can appreciate what laws do how to make laws and other things that, for instance, in our parliament today, there is no chance, okay, of certain parliamentarians appreciating. With all due respect, English, for instance, is not even a prerequisite for getting into parliament, but laws are written in English, okay? So these are structural things that we need to deal with. And honestly, that is the next order of business if we are going to do something to make this 20-something-year-old constitution work better for us. And that's what we are seeing on the field, okay? People are going to their electorate, and they are demanding, why haven't you done the road? It is not for them to do the road. And they are making, not making that demand of their disease. Mm. And yes, people are falling because of that, you know, and all the things that are happening are happening, including disease challenging parliamentarians. 
Okay, so we need to fix that structure. Well, this is your election headquarters and it's brought to you in an association with Petrosol. Clean fuel in full quantity is always a delightful experience. Cowbell, coffee, taste it, love it, McDonald's Shipping and Logistics Limited, your total logistics partner, Pad Ever Limited, your home of modern furniture, DDP Outdoor Limited, serving great brands, Festiva, adding flavors to your life, with three-year lotteries, Star 787 House, Ghana's premier and biggest jackpot lottery, lottery and HEPA Plus mixture for your general well-being. And we've been receiving results from uh, constituencies across the country. And Mr. Bento was just sharing with us uh, his thoughts on um, clear cut lines for governance structure, MPs, DCEs and all that. And that conversation came about because... Um, we received uh, some news that some ministers who are MPs have just lost their seats and uh, we've got George Ander who is Deputy Communications Minister losing in a to Senior West Barbara Shaisi, Deputy Minister for Works and Housing uh, losing Cape Coast North Constituency Anthony Cabo, Laura he's also Deputy Minister for Roads and Highways losing uh, that particular one and so that's why we were having that conversation and we'll be having a lot more here on your election headquarters but let me uh tell you more about those who are helping us bring you coverage across the country and well before i do that let me share with you some COVID 19 prevention tips face hugs and sharing of personal items avoid touching your face because you can get the virus on your hands from touching surfaces like doorknobs laptops and cell phones also avoid touching your mouth nose and eyes or biting your fingernails to prevent the virus from getting into your body do not shake hands and hug people at least for now and do not share personal items cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze and uh, let's read is brought to you by Peppy Club Success is just a book away and Papa's Pizza tasted love it and um, Salt and Light Music Ministry and your favorite choir the Harmonious Choral present a festival of nine lessons and carols a virtual edition to celebrate the one whose birth we commemorate at Christmas he is Jesus wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace Isaiah 9 6 be well it's on sunday 13th of december 2020 and is at 5 p.m that's 1700 gmt subscribe to the harmonious choral ghana youtube channel and come let's together fill our hearts with the peace and joy that christmas brings for further information contact 02681306150243588467 or 0302 772 